We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of The Gong Show on May 23rd, 1980. It was written by Chuck Barris and Robert Downey, Sr., <laughs> Iron Man's dad, directed by Chuck Barris, and released by Universal Pictures. Uh, this film performed notoriously poorly in the box office on account of a deadly combination of being bad also coming out the same day as the shining uh, <laughs> it's not bad but it actually beat the shining for its opening weekend box office ah, well, there you go. <laughs> and then plummeted uh, precipitously from there uh, we start with barris waking up at home he's heading into auditions for the gong show the show that chuck barris hosted in his real life he parks outside the studio where like a hobo guy is trying to pitch him on a performance that he could do for the gong show he gets a little bit closer to the studio when he's harangued by a rabbi character who's trying to audition but the rabbi character is like michael michael why don't you answer me what's the matter you're too big to talk to me you're such a big man you won't talk to little small teeny tiny me you keep calling me michael my name's not michael you're not michael berry no, 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 I'm Chuck Berry. He's Chuck Barris. He's not Chuck Berry. <laughs> He's like, hey, Chick, this is how my show's going. He's like, no, I'm Chuck is my name. Then he goes into the building where he's like confronted with this uh, group in full uniform called the Satisfaction. And they start singing a cabaret song for him. The whole crowd is following him through this entire building. He gets to his secretary's desk and the everyone that's followed him in is being like shooed out by security basically yeah the security or the the secretary gives him a glossy of a woman and she says this 85 year old woman came to see you she says that you got her pregnant <laughs> it's either you or julius irving and he looks at the picture and he's like i never slept with her <laughs> his delivery is so great because it seems like i had to see this picture to be sure <laughs> he steps into his office where a corporate stooge named didlow is waiting he warns about slippage uh he says i have to tell you your show's had some slippage lately and he said oh i thought we were up in the ratings and he said you are but i can smell slippage coming and as a result of this impending slippage that i can sense you were not getting a raise this year and he's like i didn't get a raise last year Oh, that's all right. You're just going to have to make some sacrifices. You can't take the limo to the studio anymore. And he's like, I don't take a limo to the studio. How do you get to the studio? I drive my car. Hmm. Oh, close. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he's like, you should really be taking a limo just for appearances. He's like, okay, fine. I'll start taking a limo. Ah, no, it's not in the budget anymore. <laughs> he, uh, he moves down to the auditions that are going on. And we just get a lot of crazy people doing their, doing their shtick for the camera. No one super mentionable here except for a very early appearance by um, Taylor Negron. But I don't even know what the bit is that he's doing here when he's auditioning. But uh, we cut from just a series of insane auditions to him in a sauna with another gentleman. 
and it's basically a scene from the last married couple in america where this guy's like hey i just got divorced and uh and i'm having sex with everybody and it's yeah. great and uh I, I just have too much sex it's driving me crazy it's actually a combination of last married couple and cereal that when the old man's like on the edge of the boat he's like i actually don't want to have sex this much it's driving me crazy is this uh, something that people did more in the 80s? Did a bunch of dudes hang out in saunas? saunas? Yeah. I guess, yeah. But also, this is the only person, one of the only people who doesn't try to pitch something to him. Yeah. He's just actually trying to have a conversation with Chuck Barris. Yeah, which is probably why he's like so relaxed in here. Otherwise, he would have just gotten up and left already. But then he gets up and leaves. <laughs> yeah, he does. We get a montage of some footage from the show. We see uh, the Unknown Comic, which is one of the more famous gong show performers. He's just a comedian telling bad jokes with a paper bag over his head. For a second, we see him being hugged and lifted into the air by a professional wrestler. And I guess this is Jesse Ventura. Yeah, it, it sounds is? exactly like Jesse Ventura to me. Are you making sport of me or uh, something? Uh, Listen, I'm a talented man. I've been on TV a lot. What are you talking about? But I was like, this is before Jesse Ventura was a thing. Because I thought Jesse Ventura started in like the late 80s to 90s. Mm-hmm. But... He has credits going way back on IMDb, but none of them are this. None of them are even appearances but, but on the it, Gong Show, let alone this movie. It, it looks and it sounds exactly it like him. It sounds too much like him to not be him. So I can only assume that this is actually Jesse Ventura, the former governor of Minnesota, I believe. Yes. And uh, that's what he's famous for, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that <laughs> ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. <laughs> we During another piece of this montage, we see... Uh, a japanese american performer saying things in japanese and chuck is pretending to translate for him (laughs) (laughs) but he's like pretty sure i'm pretty sure that's not what he's actually saying we get a little bit of uh tony randall singing a song about a little bit of business we get a woman who like folds herself in half and has like a puppet vagina talking up between her legs yeah and then uh, the unknown comic does a bit where he pretends that he accidentally crushes a bird while he's trying to do some magic. A guy jumps up on stage, and I'm unclear if this guy's name is Melvin or Milton, because it sounds like people say two different things. Mel- Melvin Prasar. Melvin Prasar, okay. He, he was a regular. And uh, he gets up and he performs this chicken song, and he actually gets gonged off stage but they have the system where if someone says one more time, you get invited back to continue performing and they bring him back on stage like four or five times before they send him off just before a commercial break. And he has a heart attack backstage because it's a very involved chicken song and dance that he's doing. And he's an older gentleman. So Chuck goes with red to visit him at the hospital. Is it with red or with Jay? It's with red. And they go to the hospital, they get in the elevator at the hospital and, patrick cranshaw the old man that played the gas station attendant is standing leaning against the back wall of the elevator and he just dies and falls to the ground in yeah. the background the gas station attendant in private eyes in private eyes yeah and he's blue. also my boy blue um uh melvin is in his hospital bed and he's not talking very loudly until chuck gets really close and then he basically jumps up and down dancing and singing uh, a new bit that he's auditioning on the hotel bed and chuck's like i gotta get out of here i'm gonna give this guy another heart attack like this is driving me crazy and the doctor stops him on his way out and he's like you're you're chuck barris right i i have to have a conversation with you and he drags him into this corner room and he's like listen i know about your friend and about the performance that he did and all the doctors here agree 
my show is much better. <laughs> he starts going into his audition. He calls himself Dr. Jerry the Singing Chef. It's a very overly complicated title. <laughs> when he first pops out in the hallway, he's like, ah, where did you come from? And he's like, well, Utah originally, but I've been in California for 27 years. <laughs> um, and then he, he moves into the side room where he's going to perform. And he says, Dr. Crawford will be playing the piano. <laughs> it's like another doctor in full scrubs doing the piano. He's cooking an egg while singing the recipe to the tune of Camptown Races. And then he throws a bunch of food in Chuck's face. Yeah. Which is a part of the joke. And everyone laughs at that because it's funny to see someone get something thrown in their face. And he leaves. He's done with this. Outside as he's getting into his car, uh, Melvin is running out of the hospital and a bunch of nurses tackle him to the ground as he tries to pitch something else all the way across the parking lot red tells him to just quit the show and he goes to play with his band of friends it seems like this is another group of people that he can kind of get by without having to be auditioned to all the time and he's telling them all the crap that he went through today with people trying to perform for him everywhere that he goes well i'm assuming that this is his outlet for trying out new songs because chuck barris wrote a lot of music right and uh, performed a lot of music so i'm sure this this is probably either the real group that he actually composes with or or does does his songs with or yeah it's interesting this is our our second consecutive film where the protagonist is an is a songwriter who's performing his own music that he's written as we're getting this song which and it's a decent song i like i like all the music that he Mm -hmm. that he wrote that i've heard we get kind of a montage of them all playing together and then the hectic drive home that he has uh, on his way, he sees he's trying to break up a domestic dispute that's happening on the side of the road. But then after he pulls the guy off of the girl, like the two of them team up on him and start beating him up. And then when he gets the rest of the way home, he opens up his garage door. There's these two creepy brothers <laughs> that are like hiding in the garage waiting to attack him. They want to get revenge for their mom who was gonged off of the show. And so to appease them he invites them to come sing a, yeah. a song on the show we get another montage of more footage those brothers are immediately gonged off by the same guy who gonged their mother off and they're like <laughs> making a mental note like we're gonna catch up with you after the show there's a guy smashing eggs on his forehead gene the dancing machine comes out and does his bit mm-hmm. um, at the end of which uh jp morgan whips her tits out yeah <laughs> and we freeze frame on them for a second i assume this was included because they shot it for the show and could not air it so they're like we gotta find an outlet for this this was live this is this is footage from the show this was live this aired the gong show was live yes okay that's crazy it was a live broadcast and it was a recurring joke that jp morgan would pull like pretend like she was gonna strip and then people would constantly jump in and stop her and nobody stopped her here so she continued stripping and then pulled her boobs out while a camera was on her <laughs> and she got fired from the show for oh it. wow yeah but this is the actual footage of her doing that and obviously when it happened on tv it was a, a split second yeah but here they freeze frame on it and hold it for like three seconds corporate insists on having a dinner with chuck because he thinks that there's a lot of problems with the show and he wants to discuss the the flagging ratings so he makes a, a reservation for three at mateo's and they're sitting in the the kitchen of this restaurant, mm-hmm. and the waiter that's serving them is Rip Taylor, and he is phenomenal. Yeah. This whole scene kills me. Yeah, Chuck and uh, the woman, uh, Red R- Robin Altman, I think. Yeah, they they are all smiles this whole time, trying to hold it together. She cannot stop laughing at Rip yeah. Taylor. 
Yeah, and uh, the guy who plays uh, Didlow is the only one who's playing it straight. Like, yeah, he, and he, he does he, such a great job here. Because yeah. uh, Rip Taylor is just all over the place. He's like falling onto the table. And, just, and like, you can tell he's nonsense. improvising like 90% of yeah. what he's saying. Because that's just how Rip Taylor works. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. He, when he first uh, he sits them down and he says, Oh yeah, I got you this table back here because I know you hate when people audition to you. You know, far from the maddening crowd. <laughs> like making fun of like the people that are inside the restaurant. Then... While Rip is away from the table, a chef steps over and tries to audition for him, which is exactly what they didn't want and why mm-hmm. they're in this back room. Um, and he's like, now I'm going to play a little song for you. I think it's pretty good. Dr. Crawford, if you don't mind, and he points at his assistant <laughs> doctor from the hospital playing the piano full of full scrubs again. <laughs> and uh, he starts singing the song. And it's not a bad song, but he's like halfway through it when Rip Taylor comes back and starts screaming at him. And Red just breaks every time Rip says anything. <laughs> She tries to talk him into quitting again when uh, Mr. Didlow walks in. <laughs> then Rip starts running up to the table. He's like, coming up, chair for Mr. Dildo. Sorry, Didlow, Didlow. <laughs> and uh, Red starts laughing at that. Then he says, we have no menus. I mean, this is no, we have no menus. I mean, we keep getting ripped off. Don't understand it. Let's just not discuss the menus any further, shall we? And I'll be okay. No, it's nothing. Uh, uh, decide what you want to eat. I'll see if we can fix it for you, okay? Just take your time. I'll be back in an hour and a half. And you just try to relax. Good to say, what about you relax? We burn the The two of them just break immediately on that line. And they like, uh, I think Chuck actually gets going talking like pretty quickly. But you can tell Red would have been useless for the rest of this scene. Yeah. Because she's just laughing so hard at, at him coming back in an hour and a half. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, Didlow tells him that corporate is very scared of all the risque stuff they're putting on the show. Obviously, Jay flashing her breasts, girls giving head to popsicles. Yeah. And uh, transvestites. Cute transvestites. You gotta admit, they're cute transvestites. Yeah, yeah. He follows him into the bathroom where Chuck is trying to use a urinal, and Didlow keeps referring to him by his full name until the guy peeing at the urinal next to him turns and he's like, wait, you're Chuck Barris? And just pees all over his legs. The next day, Red makes breakfast in bed for Chuck. Didlow climbs over their balcony and into the yeah. room and he's like, what's going on? I've been knocking for an hour and I tried calling. I bet you guys turn your phones off anyway. And he just climbs into bed with them and like pulls over the breakfast in bed and starts eating it. And Red's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm eating Chuck's breakfast. What does it look like I'm doing? <laughs> but then uh, he talks to them about like how he really cares about them and he wants to help make the show better. Mm. And uh, they have like this kind of lovey-dovey moment where they're all being friendly. They say, you know, I wonder how many other people are lucky enough to wake up next to someone they love this morning. And then we get this quick montage all around town of, I'm assuming a regular uh, gong show contested this two-headed character. Yeah. Of these two guys that are wearing just large clothes that they can both fit in. And then there's a girl in bed with like four different guys. And then we see the unknown comic in bed with an unknown one-night stand. So both of them have paper bags over their heads. And then there's a big poster above his bed of him completely naked with a bag over his head and another bag over his dick. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck sits down with Jay. She promises not to be dirty. This conversation never happened because she was fired when she flashed the cameras on the show. In the movie, at least, they're saying that he he talked her down from being as problematic on the show the next day chuck oversleeps kind of wanders through the crowded audition space we get more people i forget what the guy's name was walter wanderman or wonderman something like that uh he's he's trying to do an audition and chuck is basically like totally zoning out so he just leaves in the middle of the guy's set which he's pretty upset about 
when Chuck gets back to his office, his daughter is waiting in there with him and she wants to tell him that she's getting married and she brings out her fiance and it's NBA player Bill Bridges who is probably twice as tall as his daughter. Yeah. Later on, we see him, uh, Chuck like tries to blow off some steam to get away from everything. So he goes to play racquetball for a while. He's playing it super violently with a friend of his and that doesn't calm him down enough. So he decides he's going to have another band practice with all of his buddies and he goes to call them and a couple of guys notice that it's Chuck Barris and make fun of him within earshot. So he follows them because he's done dealing with these people and letting them do this to him. And he wants to pick a fight with them in the parking structure. As Right as he's trying to pick the fight with them, a bunch of onlookers start auditioning for him when they recognize who he is. We move into more clips from the show. Chuck is sitting with a psychiatrist and tells her that he hates doing the show, that he can't stand it anymore. And the psychiatrist says, well, maybe you should take a break. Maybe you should you know take a vacation from the show which is exactly what red's been telling him to do right so instead he goes home and decides to take a break from red when she repeats what the psychiatrist just said and then he says no you know what if there's too many people that are counting on me and maybe we should break up maybe the problem is i'm spending too much time with with the person i love and not enough time with this show that i hate and so uh he breaks it off with her or at least they're on a break here but then he calls the show immediately like it seems like he had an immediate change of heart after mm-hmm. he broke it up off with her and he says hey guys i'm i'm not coming in for a while i'm gonna take a break and they're like oh well what are we supposed to do until you get back and he's like i don't know literally anybody could host this show just get someone else to do it he gets in his car and he drives way out of town to get to a diner and he can't even get food there because both of the waitresses are trying to audition for him as soon as they recognize him he goes out to santa fe airport in line behind him is phil hartman inexplicably holding a gun (laughs) um this is phil hartman's second film if you'll recall we had him in his first film stunt rock earlier this year he doesn't really recognize him at first but then eventually he's like oh you're the host of the gong show hey aren't you that little fellow who does that tv show the gong show sure sure you are that guy aren't you gee that's a terrific show can anyone get on that show i'd love to get on that show i do a great imitation of barishnikov uh that's good well, can I show it to you now? I'm about to take an airplane. Okay. Okay, I'll catch you when you get back. This character that Phil Hartman is portraying, the, 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 <laughs> his style of his his choice of voice and everything is just like perfect classic Phil Hartman. Yeah, he's wonderful. I miss that man. I actually realized when I was putting the cast list together for this episode that we didn't talk much about him last time because we mentioned his cameo, but then he wasn't in our cast list for Stunt Rock. Mm. At least I don't think he was, but uh, we'll get we'll talk about him today. He decides at the recommendation of the airline attendant, he says, I'm going to get a flight to like the most random desert I can find. And yeah. so he sends him to Morocco and we see him walking around the desert of Morocco, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is Morro Bay. Um, uh, see, I, I thought it might be Kelso, the Kelso Dunes here. Oh, it could be either one. Like, because in the credits, they, they, they say a thank you to Pismo Beach. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Pismal Beach has some dunes, but I don't know if they look like this. Yeah. The Kelso dunes out in Mojave look like this. Yeah. But I, this also reminded me a lot of, because Morro Bay is where they shot the desert scenes for the gauntlet opening gambit. Okay. With the map. And that was like right on right the Right on the coast too, yeah. Yeah. So um, it could have been there. But the only reason I'm convinced that it's California is because the USC Trojans come marching over the hill right. here. <laughs> um, but he's sitting on the in the desert by himself for a while when a helicopter lands. Didlow walks up as the Lawrence of Arabia score is playing. 
Which, uh, did they pay for the Lawrence of Arabia score right here? Or is it a sound-alike? Because it I, sounds I think it, so close. I think it's a sound-alike. It's uncomfortably close for a sound-alike mm. if they're not paying full price. It sounded exactly like it to me. Yeah. I didn't notice a changed <laughs> note in it. But he says, I understand you wanted to be by yourself, but... There's a lot of people that care about you and we just wanted to let you know and he whistles and everybody comes out so you have the Trojans come over the hill and then all the contestants and employees of the show and everyone in his life comes down. They all circle around him at the bottom of these sand dunes and sing a song called Don't Get Up For Me. Yeah, it's a decent song and it's fun. You get like a reprise from each uh, character that we've seen over the course of the film and then we get this maybe unnecessary last pack of clips from the show. I, I didn't hate the clips. I g- kind of got the impression that these were included because they're just clips that Chuck Barris liked from the show yeah. that he wanted to include. So we have this uh, performance of like all these nuns that are singing like this religious parody song. And then can't even remember what the other the, two The unknown were. comic was back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the other guy that was just kind of dancing and awkward. But then that's the end of the film. Uh, as it, we said. Sorry. Oh, oh I was going to say, um, it's kind of strange that he would make a film about this when this was, the, in fact, the last year of the Gong Show. Oh, interesting! I didn't know that. Yeah, because the the Gong Show ended in 1980. Did I thought it ended in 79? Uh, 76 to 1980. Hmm. I'll get to Chuck Barris in the cast, but right now we'll talk about the only other person in the writer director section, which would be Robert Downey Sr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Downey Sr. is obviously the father of Iron Man. He is an actor and director in his own right. He was in Magnolia as the show director of the uh, What Do Kids Know series. Yeah. And he's also, because he's a regular Paul Thomas Anderson character, so he played a studio manager in Boogie Nights also. He wrote and directed a movie called Putney Swope, which, uh, have you ever seen that movie, Putney Swope? I have not. It's a it's a weird movie, um, but I kind of enjoy it. It's it's like a dark comedy, but it's it's kind of like Simon in that they're giving someone like complete control of their show arnold johnson played putney okay that's what i was looking for arnold johnson it's a good movie but it's like this guy is brought in and they they let him write all the commercials and all of like uh what's that one where um they decide that they're gonna let all the people at the asylum write all the advertisements do you know the one i'm talking about no crazy people yeah maybe it's called crazy people what is that with with dudley moore and daryl hannah yeah uh, a bitter ad executive who has reached his breaking point finds himself in a mental institution where his career actually begins to thrive with the help of the hospital patients. Yeah, because they, they start giving him all these like super abstract pitches for advertising campaigns and then they end up working really well. That sounds excellent. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. But yeah, I feel like growing up with Robert Downey Sr. and like all this like absurdist comedy background is was definitely like helped develop who Robert Downey Jr. became. But our other writer for this film is the the lead character of the film, Chuck Barris, playing himself here. Um, he was obviously the host of The Gong Show for, what, five years? Mm-hmm. He was the writer-director of this movie. He composed the song Palisades Park. He composed the Newlywed and Dating Game themes, which explains his soundtrack credits in The Minions, x-men first class and teenage mutant ninja turtles out of the shadows films yeah he is also the author of the novel confessions of a dangerous mind which was adapted by charlie kaufman for george clooney to direct into the film of the same name which is also about his life right obviously the stuff that's i know what you're about to say and i'm gonna get offended oh 
you're going to call it a fictionalized account. Yes. Which it is not. He actually killed people for the CIA. <laughs> he was a spy. Because he never married a woman named Penny. Uh, but he did marry this Robin Altman who plays Red in this movie. Right. Um, and I'm pretty sure after seeing Robin Altman in this movie that Drew Barrymore's character of Penny is supposed to be her. Okay. Wait, well, wait, he was I, he was married he called... to three, three women, right? I, so I started to watch this because I've never seen this movie. I didn't get very far before. We ran out of time. We ran out of time. But he calls her Red. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie. But but they have different first name first first names. Yeah. They because have... Red in this movie is Robin. Right. And yeah, not not Robin Wright. <laughs> <laughs> Her name is something different in the other movie, probably because he didn't have the rights to real people. Right, because at, at that point they were divorced. I think. Yeah, but Jess was pointing out when we were watching the movie that his wife in the Gong Show movie is his second of three wives, each of whom he was married to about twenty years. Mm. Yeah, it was 19, like nineteen years each. Well, it was nineteen, nineteen, and seventeen because he died. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. He's like a cicada. Sure. <laughs> Sounds a little different to me. Speaking of Robin Altman, she plays Red here, and this was her only film. It's I think it's her only IMDb credit, even. Mabel King played Mabel. That was the, the secretary at the show. She plays Steve Martin's mother in The Jerk. Mm-hmm. She plays Eveline in The Wiz, which is funny because we just had Evil Lynn. Yeah. In, uh, which movie was that? That was Carney. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, but she plays Evelyn in Masters of the Universe. Yeah. But right, the but I'm just saying the, yeah, the yeah. character names are similar. It's yeah. funny. Um, she also played Mama on What's Happening, and she played the Grandma in Scrooged. Yeah, Alfred Woodard's mother. Yeah, who's like, who's like, oh, yeah, we, we just got to turn the lights on the Christmas tree. She's like, well, we don't have a tree. And she's like, we do now. <laughs> no, not again. James B. Douglas was Buddy Didlow. He played Eugene Carmichael in The Changeling. Which I think is the senator who stole his, stole the. Wait, the and who's that title. in this movie? He's the guy who's who's the stooge from the from corporate that's trying to get the show in oh, trouble. Oh, I have to go back and look at that again. Well, because no, because the senator's really old. Yeah, I thought so too. But yeah. it says Eugene Carmichael. How many Carmichaels are in that movie? Uh, well, because he has a son. Do we ever see the son? We 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 must have. I think he's in the car with him in the changeling. Okay, well maybe that's what it was then. Did he even have any lines? I'm I'm not sure. Maybe that's what it. Was or maybe like. he played. He would have played. The maybe maybe he played the the father in the flashback. Oh, drowning the it son. It could have been that. That makes more sense. I don't sense. remember if we see a face. Doesn't matter. Somebody got to play him. That's true. But why would you get a face actor who's funny? Either way, he played Eugene Carmichael in The Changeling. Whoever that was, Harvey Lembeck played the man in the steam room. He's Sergeant Shapiro in Stalag Seventeen. Yeah. Um. <sighs> There's a lot of people in Song 17, but he Shapiro is pretty high up on the credits list. Yeah. But I can't remember which one he is. It's funny because I think the last time we had some from Stalag 17, you're like, I'm very intimately familiar with that film, and I don't know who this was. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we, yeah. you're going to be like, you know what? I was thinking of a different movie. That's um, embarrassing. <laughs> um, he's also in a bunch of beach movies from like the 50s and 60s. Murray Langston is the unknown comic. I just uh, revealed that here. Oh, no. nobody knew that before before i said it uh he plays himself in confessions of a dangerous mind because they intercut with these like confessional type talking head moments mm-hmm. he also wrote two linda blair films night patrol and up your alley the second of which he stars opposite her as her love interest and he also wrote a movie called wishful thinking uh steve garvey plays himself 
I don't remember which one was Steve Garvey, but he plays Mr. Spodak in Ice Cream Man, the Clint Howard <laughs> the Clint horror Howard. classic. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Garvey is a uh, former Dodger. He was known as Mr. Clean when he played for them. Uh, L.A. or Brooklyn? I think Los Angeles, <laughs> because this was shot in Los Angeles. Jamie Farr plays himself as just the judge on the gong show occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Then they joke at one point that he could take over hosting duties because who cares? He played Klinger on MASH, obviously. He's also in Scrooge. Mm-hmm. He plays Jacob Marley in the TV version of the play. And he plays the Sheik in both of the Cannibal Run movies. Patrick Cranshaw was credited as Man Dying in Elevator. Yeah. Um, he's my boy, Blue. Vincent Schiavelli was Mario Romani, one of the two brothers who was upset that his mom got gonged off the show. Yeah. Always, always a presence on screen because he's so frigging tall yeah he's he's a fascinating character he was in soft touch obviously everyone remembers that macgyver episode he was frederickson in cuckoo's nest he was he was one of a pair of brothers in that too wasn't he no they weren't brothers they were just just two criminals that worked together yeah that Um, that was the 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 soap commercial or shampoo yeah it was like a a dishwasher soap or something frederickson in cuckoo's nest he plays Carl in Night Shift. The Subway Ghost in uh, Ghost. Yeah, the Subway Ghost in Ghost. Mr. Vargas in Fast Time. And he played Lanny in the X-Files episode Humbug, which is one of my favorites. That's a great episode. That's the one where they go to uh, Gibsonton, Florida. And uh, oh, right. he, he has like a conjoined twin that yeah. can separate from him and yep. kill people. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty episode. <laughs> pretty fascinating. Um Pat McCormick was himself. He is also in Scrooge as the ghost of Christmas present. In the play. Yeah. Um, J.P. Morgan is playing herself uh, in the film, and she also plays herself in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. She was born Mary Margaret Morgan, and she was elected treasurer in high school, at which point she changed her name to J.P. Morgan as a joke nah. because she was the treasurer and the name stuck. She was also a musical performer in her own right and had a variety show for a while before the gong show. She was a regular judge on the show until she was fired for flashing her breasts on live television. Gene Patton played Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. Regular. Again, playing himself in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And I remember as a child that whenever me or my brother would break into sporadic dance, that my dad would always say, oh, look, it's Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. <laughs> whenever we would start dancing. I had no idea what he was referring to until I saw this movie. <laughs> Rip Taylor is the restaurant maitre d yeah he plays the genie in the ducktail movie mm-hmm. the ducktales movie he's himself in wayne's world 2 <laughs> he's a god in my country <laughs> <laughs> um he's also in the dukes of hazard movie and i'm guessing that's a result of his appearance in jackass 2 because johnny knoxville was in the dukes of hazard movie um and johnny knoxville and rip taylor became very good friends after jackass 2 he also did the voice of uncle fester for the animated adams family Hmm. Um, which is our second Wait, that one that just came out no th- uh th- from the early 90s oh it actually had john Aston doing gomez but it had debbie derryberry as wednesday oh so i didn't realize that was a thing but i love rip taylor and honestly like his presence in this film is like mm-hmm. the best three minutes of the whole thing yeah and i like this movie but i think he's the best part of it for sure he didn't he he passed away not too long ago no pretty yeah. recently yeah because um, it was like rip rip taylor and rip torn in the same year right yeah rip the rips oh <laughs> what rip the rips yeah he looked the same when he died as he did in 1980 yeah, yeah like 40 totally. years earlier he did not age at all mostly because he just dressed so crazily all the and, time. and that mustache never goes away yeah no della barris 
as herself here, daughter of Chuck, unfortunately passed away in 1998 from a drug overdose. Yeah. Nora Denny played the tourist lady. I'm not even sure who the tourist lady is. Uh, so when he's picking the, because I recognized her. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, when he's picking the fight with the tall guy, the the two tourists who are trying to take photos with him. Oh, okay. And, oh, uh, that makes sense. Then. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, she's got glasses on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. The, but that tourist lady is Mrs. TV in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And she also played Miss Stein in Splash. Mm-hmm. Tony Randall is himself, obviously. Um, you know him best from the SNL sketch with Mr. <laughs> Short-Term Memory Loss. You're Tony Randall! Which I tried to find that sketch for like two hours yesterday. I was getting so mad. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Jeff. Okay, gentlemen, you know the rules. Jeff will give the clues and Tony will receive. Wow! Tony Randall! Hey! I am a big fan of yours! Thank you. Could I have your autograph, please? Please, 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 please. Now? Yes, yes, please, 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 please. Please. There you go. What is this? Tony Randall? What, you just hand these out to people you meet? That's a little sad. Uh, I also like the joke of On the, the Simpsons. Simpsons. <laughs> when he goes to the steakhouse. Yeah, it's just two people, the only two people who've ever finished this giant steak. It's like Tony Randall and this trucker. Yeah. And he's like looking at the pictures of Tony Randall and the trucker on the wall and then at the trucker. And he's like, It's you! You're him! You're Tony Randall! <laughs> Red Barkley's my name. He called me Greenhorn. I called him Tony Randall. It was a thing we had. <laughs> um, but for realsies, you probably know Tony Randall as Felix Unger from The Odd Couple, which is, like I would say, his biggest thing. Yeah. Unless you count the voice of the brain gremlin <laughs> in Gremlins 2. I wanna talk a little bit about what's going on in this room because I think there are some fascinating ramifications here for the future. When you introduce genetic material of research quality to a life form such as ours, which is possessed of a a sort of, I hesitate to use the word, atavism, but let us say a highly aggressive nature. For example, that fellow over near the, um, I believe that's a common bat of the order Choroptera, the only mammals, I might add, capable of complying. Um, which is the best thing he did. He also played Hercule Poirot in The Alphabet Murders, which might be a comedy. I can't tell judging from the yeah, poster. I, I don't know. But it looked like something I would actually want to see. Phil Hartman was the man at the airport with a gun. <laughs> I love that the gun doesn't play a part, but yeah. I worry that there was more to this scene that didn't happen yeah. and that got cut. I would like to believe that the plan was always that we're not going to show this guy hijack anything. We're literally just going to show him have a gun. And even at the end of the scene, he's like holding a newspaper to cover his face and he steps up to the counter with a gun and a paper covering his face. And we just cut to where the flight was going and we never see what happened to this guy. But Phil Hartman was wonderful. He was a treasure. This was his second film after Stunt Rock. He was Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz on The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. He was the inspiration for and would have been the voice for Zap Brannigan. Yeah. If he'd he'd still been around. News Radio. Bill McNeil on News Radio. Um, He was the air conditioner in Brave Little Toaster. He plays Sam in Three Amigos. I'm assuming that's someone at the very beginning of the film because I don't remember him. Yeah. He played Captain Carl on Pee Wee's Playhouse for Mm -hmm. which he was a writer. He wrote the movies also. And he was just a super, super funny guy. 
sad that he's gone. Two other contestants on the on the Gong Show over the course of the film were Betsy Lynn Thompson and Carol Gwynn Thompson, who performed as the Siamese Connection. They were the twins for Midnight Madness's sorority team. And uh, as I said at the beginning, Taylor Negron was he's credited as blonde haired man auditioning, but he's very clearly not blonde haired uh, in the film. He was Milo in The Last Boy Scout, who I think gets dropped onto the top of a helicopter is this death scene there's something involving a helicopter and it's amazing last boy scout is such a crazy movie have you seen the last boy scout i have not we should watch that soon because it's pretty phenomenal it's it's shane black written and directed okay and uh i think he directed it i I don't remember he he wrote wrote it at least but but it's it's so good yeah he played the mailman and better off dead this was actually his first feature he played a pizza guy in fast times at ridgemont high he's the one who like sean penn ordered a pizza delivered to class and he's the one delivering the pizza yeah. to the classroom. He also played a pizza man in Johnny Dangerously, or a delivery man in Johnny Dangerously. He's, he also plays the character Taylor in One Crazy Summer, which I'm assuming was a result of having worked with Cusack in Better Off Dead. One Crazy Summer was after Better Off Dead, right? Uh, I think so. Who knows? They blur together for me. Um, he's also Fausto in Nothing But Trouble. He, too, passed away, unfortunately, from liver cancer in 2008. So there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of tragedy to this one but i like this movie a lot uh, i wanted to mention one more person only yeah. only because again it was someone i recognized and i only recognize him from one other thing <laughs> yeah uh in the beginning of the movie when he's first getting into the studio there's a man they keep focusing on who just winks at oh him. yeah 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 i remember that uh so uh the the actor is william trigo and the only other thing i know him from is from airplane when they're going through all the news broadcasts and it's him, and it says counterpoint. It's like, they bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. <laughs> and that's the only thing I, I was like. He went through like, his whole IMDb, and that was it? No, no, I just recognized him. That's the guy from Airplane. That <laughs> just says, let him crash. See, I just, because, again, that's Airplane's funny. a movie I'm pretty hyper-familiar with. Right, and he would have looked similar, because this is the same year. So Correct. Yeah, this this movie was really great. I was kind of dreading watching it, because... When we were first getting ready to watch it, we kind of flipped through it a little bit and we're noticing like, oh, this is a lot of like weird sketches and clips from the show. Like this looks like it's going to be a dumb clip show of a movie, but uh, I enjoy this much more than I expected to going into it. I think it was a dumb clip show of a movie. No, it wasn't. (laughs) I mean, I'll admit that the clips from the show are actually its weakest point. For sure. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of the movie Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yes. And I'm sure that this movie was part of Sam Rockwell's performance. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Like, like, because they use some of the the bits, like the you know, uh, the what's the difference between a shower curtain and a toilet paper? You know, it's like we found the guy. Yeah, uh, they use that bit in the movie. In this movie, in the Gong Show movie, when he goes, "Just take me away, take me away." Yeah, they play that scene because in 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 the Confessions movie, he he believes that he's being targeted for an assassination. Right. And he's just he's just tired of waiting for it, and he just he's losing his mind when yeah. he's saying that line. So I like the kind of like the parallels, and I think Sam Rockwell did an amazing job playing him. Yeah, with the dancing around on the stages and the hats and all that stuff. You know who I think might have been a slightly better fit. Even it would it would have been a stretch for him, but I think he looks more like the character, and I think he could have pulled off the rest of the performance really well. Sidney Pollock, J.K. Simmons. If you look mm-hmm. at if you look at Chuck Barris's face and you look at J.K. Simmons' face, they have the same face. If you put the right wig on J.K., I think it would be, he would be a dead ringer 
at the and, time too and he would have like, been the right had, age and yeah. and yeah i think he i think he could have done a really swell job at it i love confessions of a dangerous mind mostly just because i i mean especially at the time i was a massive fan of charlie kaufman mm-hmm. and just like looked up everything that he was doing constantly but yeah that's a great movie and i think that the two of these would make a great double feature but i like this movie a lot jess up or down <laughs> i'm sorry oh, no. i'm gonna give it a down i there just wasn't enough there i i mean i think that you fell in love with the dialogue uh yeah. you know it was a lot of quips but there's not a lot of story it's it didn't need to be a movie sorry that's fair uh i'm giving it up okay uh, thank you. i I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like you i think i went in dreading it and i think that maybe kind of skews my feelings for it because it's like oh i'm actually really enjoying these clips from the gong show yeah just because like some of them are great yeah as a movie i agree with jesse that there's there's not a lot of substance to this story there's no nothing's really happening yeah um no i agree with that uh you know as a product i was like yeah i'm 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 fine with this i i could sit through this a second time in a row and i would be totally fine with it I just kind of wish that Chuck Barris had an opportunity to be a leading man in more movies than this. Because I feel like I did not expect him to be as charismatic and compelling as a leading man of a, of a fictional narrative. Mm-hmm. As fictional as this is. I mean, it's based almost entirely on things that have actually happened to the man. I feel like he could have carried his own in a just straight romantic comedy or a regular comedy. It's too bad that this was the only thing that he did that was like... A scripted adventure i think without all the clips in it if they had found ways to fictionalize and re like act out other scenes from his life instead of using archival footage mm-hmm. that i think the whole movie would have been better yeah. i agree with that i think i would have liked it more yeah for me the the bits of dialogue that we get are worth the price of admission and i would say that it's worth checking out letterboxed richard where's this going um, despite my, my glowing review of it, sure. um, I still have it kind of mid-ranged. Uh, I'm going to put this below Tom Horn, but above f- folks. Okay. Jessica. Uh, so I have it almost smack dab in the middle of my list right now. It's probably not too far from the middle of Richard's list. I have it below Saturn three and above heartbeat. Okay. That's fair for me. This goes above when time ran out but below humanoids of the deep i think that's where i'm putting it i think it's interesting because i feel like we all put it in a very similar area in our lists yeah it's Maybe. pretty it's just it's a middle of the road kind of like this is okay yeah i'm just saying i gave that in town <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's 13th place for me oh oh uh, yeah you had humanoids higher than it deserved has a dummy that turns and looks at a tent flap when a sea monster approaches. Yeah. I think that's about everything for this one. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Or as I said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through patreon.com slash vintage video podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing The Shining, which IMDb summarizes like so. A family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. We leave you now with the trailer for The Shining. Mm
Meet Jack Torrance. I'm outlining a new writing project. He's a writer looking for inspiration. Lots of ideas. No good ones. Meet Danny. He's a kid looking for a dad. There's hardly anybody to play with around here. What's up, Doc? Jack just can't finish his book. I don't want to sound melodramatic, but there's no way to make it economically feasible. Here's to five miserable months. But now, sometimes what we need the most is just around the corner. I'm your new foster father. I'd do anything. Climbing up on Salisbury Hill. I love it. I could see the city light. My heart going boom, boom, boom. Son, he said, grab your things. I'm going to take you home. Shining.